must have been nine or ten when we left our settlement. We didn't have many possessions to take with us. And whatever we did own, I managed to lose. A cup, a only spoon, I even lost a sandal. It drove my mother crazy. But even she didn't think I would lose a child. Not just a child, a baby. My husband was killed first. Local militia found him when he made his way home one night after visiting family. Then they killed my best friend in her home. They killed her baby too. She was three months old. That's when I knew I had to leave. Life had been difficult for a while even before this. First the drought, then roads were blocked by fighting, cutting off trade routes and food supplies. The arms of war and hunger had wrapped themselves around our land and were squeezing us tight. As soon as I was big enough to hold a shovel, I was sent out to dig for water with the other boys. My father had left to work at Kettle Camp. He would come back for a few days and then take off again for months at a time. He said that the next time he'd take me with him. The riverbed had dried up long ago and it was becoming harder and harder to find water. It could take five hours of digging before the water came. It was normal to eat only once a day. But what used to be a meal of sorghum, milk, sometimes meat, was now just a handful of nuts or some leaves and grass, whatever could be foraged. The scrubland around our village was stripped bare now, and when the rains didn't come, nothing grew back. We had to walk further and further to find food. I had two girls to support. I made little money working as a midwife, but with most of the men gone or killed, my skills were needed less and less. Half the village had already gone across the border. Staying left us two choices, be killed by hunger or killed by soldiers. I looked at my girls, so young and beautiful, nearing the age to be married, and I vowed not to let the soldiers near them. Then something started happening to my mother. Her arms and legs got thinner as her belly got bigger. I remember feeling relief when she told me she was having a baby. Although it seemed to be growing while she was fading away. I tried to make her eat more to take some of my share, but she never would. After a long night trying to block out the screams of my mother, the baby arrived. My mother's cries stopping as hers began. I remember my mother said to me, Gabriel, meet your sister. She laid her in my arms and her little fist shot out and grabbed my finger and squeezed it tightly. I looked down at her tiny screwed up face and I felt like I would fight a lion to protect her. We called her Jane. She was a funny looking baby, a tiny body with a big head and too much hair. My mother would wrap her in a blue sheet with red flowers on it so only her head was showing. She was very quiet, 
which was fine by me. But I could see that it worried my mother. A group of us from the village decided to travel together to the border. There was a camp there where we would be safe until things got better. Whether we liked it or not, it was our time to go. We moved quickly, taking little rest. It seemed we were always just behind the fighting. The bodies along the way told us that much. I saw two boys and a woman lying together by the side of the road. The two boys were piled on top of each other, the woman next to them, her arms stretched out towards them. They had been slaughtered with machetes. They say they don't waste bullets on women and children anymore. I had a strong stomach back then. I could eat anything and never get ill. Raw meat, half rotten fruit, nothing bothered me. But this baby could only drink milk, and without her swollen belly, my mother looked thinner than ever. No matter how often she nursed, Jane didn't seem to grow. Even I could see that something wasn't right. When we heard rumors of attacks, in the villages on the other side of the riverbed. My mother said we couldn't wait for father to return. We had to go before it was too late. We wrapped the last of the nuts in a cloth and we left. It was a five-day journey to the border and at first we were lucky and the paths were clear. We even managed to find food along the way. I climbed a tree and found a bird's nest. I stole the eggs and gave them to my mother. We found a couple of shriveled up mangoes by the side of the road. Some days we ate more than we did at home. Other days we didn't eat at all. We traveled that night. During the day we took shelter under trees and in bushes and tried to rest. We found well-trodden paths along the side of a river to guide us. But we never walked through the forest that night. As soon as the sun dipped behind the horizon, eyes would shine in the darkness, and growls and screeches would warn us this was not a place for those without teeth or claws. On the evening of the third day, we saw a water pump down the track and knew we must be close to a village. We started to walk towards it, then we heard the rumble of an engine and a cloud of dust appeared. My mother stopped, handed Jane to me. She was no heavier than an armful of leaves. Mother gave me a look. We had talked about this moment and I knew what to do. You're fast, Gabriel, and sneaky, she had said. You can hide better than me. If we have to run, you must take Jane and hide with her. She'll be safer with you. The cloud of dust came closer and we saw a jeep and two men holding machine guns. My mother pointed to a tree that had no leaves. Its branches raked the sky like fingers. Go, hide well, she whispered. Meet me there as soon as it's safe. She kissed me once and then I ran. I thought about what happened next a million times. I tried to remember, tried to understand what I did.
I don't remember putting Jane down. I, I don't remember. I just, uh, I panicked and I, I think I put her down. I hit her. I'm sure I did. And then I ran. I found a ditch. I covered myself with leaves and tried not to breathe. I don't know how long I stayed there. It could have been minutes. It could have been hours. Then I came to my senses and I realized it was quiet. I looked around until I found the tree with no leaves. Then I hid in a bush until I heard my mother calling for me. I limped towards her, whimpering like a wounded animal. And I remember she took me in her arms. Come here. Shh. It's okay. You're okay. Let me look. Okay, there. it's not deep. You're okay. It's too tight. It has to be tight. Look, the bleeding's stopping. Come here. Shh. It's okay. You're okay. They've gone now. Good boy. Can you get up? Good. Now come. Up. Let's go and get Jen. Gabriel wouldn't look at me. Tears began falling again. I asked him, Gabriel, where's Jane? You know where she is? We searched and searched. Up and down that river. We looked in every bush, under every tree. But we couldn't find her. And then we didn't know where we had looked and where we hadn't. Everything looked the same. And I became more frightened and more confused. Soon, it grew dark and we had to leave the forest. That night, I didn't sleep at all. I listened to every sound, every bark, every growl, every roar. And I imagined a hundred different ways my baby sister was dying. In the morning, my mother made a decision. The hardest decision of her life. We would spend one more day looking. Then we had to go on. We were nearly at the border when we stopped by the side of the river to take some water and rest for a few minutes. My daughter Joy wandered down to the river's edge. I followed her through the tall grass and we heard a tiny squeak. I stretched my hand and my fingers touched something soft and smooth. I pulled back in shock. Cautiously, I reached out again and this time I felt tiny curled up toes. I pushed back the grass and I saw it sticking out of a pile of leaves, a foot. I brushed them aside and there wrapped in a blue blanket dotted with red flowers, was a baby girl. I gathered her up in my arms and walked back to the group. This tiny bundle of skin and bones was alive. It seemed impossible. She wasn't much more than a cloud of fluffy black hair attached to some arms and legs. Yet she had survived when so many others had not. Everyone wanted to see her and touch her, as if the luck that had saved her little life could be transferred to all of us. 
We searched along the river to see if we could find her family, but we couldn't stay long in this place. And the baby needed help fast. My daughters helped to mix water with a little cow's milk and wild honey, and we dipped our fingers in the sticky mixture and pushed it gently into her mouth. I held her close all the way to the border, and the girls never left my side. We all felt the same. We had to keep this miracle baby alive. When we got to the camp and it was our turn to be registered, we said nothing about Jane. We never talked about her at home. Mother barely spoke at all. She registered me for school and I started going to class. I didn't speak much either. Two girls joined my class soon after me. Sisters called Joy and Nadia. They were bright, pretty girls, and everyone wanted to speak to them. I hung around on the edge of the group when they told their story. On their way to the camp, they found something hidden by the side of the river, covered in leaves and wrapped in a sheet. A baby, barely breathing. They kept her alive by spooning milk into her mouth with their own fingers until they got her here and took her to the medical center. She has no family of her own, said Joy. She's our baby now. I must have held my breath as she talked because when she finished, all the air rushed out of me in one gasp and I staggered backwards. What should I say? How could I tell them this was my sister, that I'd lost her? Even worse, that I'd left her. I fingered the scab on my leg, plucking at the raw, peeling skin, and I couldn't find the words. When I got home, I shouted to my mother, She's alive! Jane is alive! She's been found! I told her the story, but she didn't even turn around. She carried on poking at the stove as if I'd said nothing. I started pulling at her arm, shaking her, pleading with her. She didn't believe me. How do you know she's alive? Have you seen her? No. You heard some story at school. Do you know how many lost children there are in this country? Don't make it worse, Gabriel. We have to accept it. She's gone. Your sister is dead. She turned her back to me and told me never to speak of it again. That night I didn't sleep at all. When a pale light began to fill her heart, I made my decision. I had to know if it was Jane. I crept out of the house and snuck over to the medical center. It was a long room filled with rows of beds draped in mosquito nets. In every bed, a child, and in many cases, their mothers too, curled up around their sick children. I weaved my way around the room, my footsteps masked by snores and groans, stepping carefully over sleeping bodies, moving quietly. I checked every bed until I came to one that looked empty. But then I saw the sheet moving, up and down, very quickly, and then it would pause as if at any moment it might stop completely. I came closer, and I saw a crumpled sheet, blue with red flowers on it, and inside, a baby. I touched her hand, and her little fist uncurled. I laid my finger against the palm of her hand, and soft as a breath, her hand closed. It was her, 
my baby sister. I heard footsteps and saw two nurses crossing the room towards me. Quickly, I hid under the bed. They were talking about Jane. They said they were moving her today to a hospital outside the camp. She said she had no family, that a lady called Sylvia brought her in. We don't know. She said that Sylvia would look after her when they brought her back. Soon, the ambulance is on its way. I knew what I had to do. As soon as the nurses left, I gently lifted off her sheet. The red flowers had almost faded away, and I ran as fast as I could to find Joy and Nadia. He was running so fast he knocked me off my feet. I didn't even realize it was a boy at first. I thought some wild animal had broken into the camp. Then I saw my daughters behind him trying to keep up. He was clutching a sheet to his chest and crying. I took him to our house and made him tea while he tried to calm himself. And then the story came out. She's us. She, she is. I, I saw her. She, she held my finger. After many false starts. Mama told me to take her, to hide. They shot her. I look. And much pleading. You're taking her away. You have to tell my mother. We have to. Through heart wrenching tears. I should never have left her. And finally we understood and we agreed we would find his mother Rose and help sort this out. We headed out with Gabriel dragging us along, still weeping. One minute running ahead, the next running back to tug at our arms and hurry us along. We found my mother queuing for water at the taps. I grabbed her by the arm and started to explain. She didn't even look at me. She just stared at the blanket that I clutched to my chest. She swayed and I remember Sylvia reached out and grabbed her just before she collapsed. Once it was clear that Rose was Jane's mother, the aid agency who ran the medical center helped arrange everything. We looked after Gabriel while they took Rose and Jane to hospital. We took him into our home gladly. This solemn little boy. Joy and Nadia fussed over him constantly, teasing him, tickling him, settling him at night with a flurry of kisses, competing to see who could make him smile. In this camp, where so many families are splintered, so many parents and children lost, the story of baby Jane brought joy and hope to everyone. The need for family draws people together here. Lost or orphan children are taken in by grieving parents. Babies are born. New family groups form and reform. But all the time, we hope that a miracle might happen. That like baby Jane, our loved ones might be found. Anywhere But Home is a six-episode audio drama brought to you by Save the Children. To find out more about the people that inspired this episode and learn about the conflict and hunger crisis in South Sudan, go to 
www.savethechildren.net forward slash anywhere but home. If you'd like to support this podcast and the work of Save the Children, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Anywhere But Home was written and created by Alexia Singh. Directed by Alexia Singh. Produced by Natasha Coleman. Sound design, editing, and music by Nikki French. Casting by Merrill and Leslie. And script editing by Ben Lambert. Recorded at One Louder Studios. Gabriel was performed by Richard Peppel. Young Gabriel by Rhoda Oforiata. And the roles of Sylvia, Rose, and the nurse were read by Anna Maria Nabrie.